it's time for Rod and Real Radio with your hosts, Hop Along John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. If you love the outdoors, enjoy salt or freshwater fishing, yearn to wade in a high Sierra or Alaska stream, or just look forward to taking the kids out to one of our local lakes to chase trout, crappie, or bass, this is the show for you. We'll cover most all of the fishing tournaments and events with special reports while providing you with the information you need as to how and where to experience the best fishing opportunities in Southern California, Baja, Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. Rod and Real Radio brought to you by El Cajon Ford at Broadway and Main or online at ElCajonFord.com. Whether it's time for a new or used car or truck or you need to take advantage of San Diego's best quick lane for service with genuine Ford parts, brand name tires at competitive prices, remember nobody beats El Cajon Ford. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Real Radio, the best stop on your radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now here's your host, Hopalong, John Cassidy. Hey, thank you, Mark Larson and Southern California. Welcome to Rod Reel Radio. Hey, it's a pleasure to be on with you tonight, and we want to thank you very much for listening. I think we've got a great show lined up for you tonight. You know, this is the endless season of tuna fishing here in our Southern California waters, but we have the story of a gentleman that caught a fish, a little bit more of an unusual story than you may, may be uh, uh, used to listening to. It's a record-setting fish, and we'll have him with us uh, just here in a little bit. Alan Shook from San Clemente will be with us. Also tonight, we're going to wish... Huh, a man that has been likened to the Teddy Roosevelt of fishing, Mr. Jerry McGinnis. Jerry McGinnis, first of all, we want to wish you a happy birthday. And second of all, Jerry's going to be with us in the 6 o'clock hour. And a lot of you know Jerry from the uh, the fishing hole, but he's also an author. And he's the owner of BASS. So Jerry's going to be on with us in the second hour. We'll have our regular reports from Phil Friedman and Captain James Nelson. But before we get it all started, let me introduce to you the co-host of Rod Real Radio. She is a national sales manager for Iserline and a pretty darn good sports lady in her own uh, right, Miss Wendy Toshihara. Wendy, how you doing, ma'am? I'm doing great, John. I'm sitting in the backyard on a nice sunny day with a Nice, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. in my hand. All right. Hey, well, make sure you get a get a place, Wendy, where the uh, uh, the uh, cell phone reception is good because you're kind of bouncing out a little bit. Okay. But okay. hey, and we're going to need you tonight because definitely uh, Stan Vandenberg is not with us tonight. Stan is going out and getting a little culture, so uh, he's taking a week off, but he'll be back with us next week for Father's Day. Wendy, I want to get on with our first guest because this is an exciting uh, story. It's about a gentleman that has a record-setting fish. He's from San Clemente, California. I want to welcome our listening audience to Aaron Shuck. Aaron, welcome to Ron Real Radio. Hi, thanks for having me on the show. How are you guys? Hey, we are doing excellent, Aaron. And you've got a story that I think... Uh, just needs to be told. It's an exciting story. A few people know about it already, but you are not the average angler. I'm going to say that you are more of a hunter type of angler. And you want to get into the story on why we have you on tonight? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. sure. Uh, let's Before you do that, Aaron, if you have your radio on, turn your radio down or off. Hey, will you guys just turn that radio off? That, just turn it off. I've got that, that uh, echo, too. We're not even on the same station. All right. All right. Well, hey, I appreciate that. I hope it isn't a bad echo for you, but uh, uh, let's see if we can uh, proceed uh, with it. So uh, you've had a you had a great catch here in the past week. Why don't you tell us about it and some of the details? Okay. Uh, yeah, last Wednesday we went out uh, looking for tuna. We had heard that there was a bunch of fish locally in Dana Point that were uh, closer than usual to the shore. So we headed out about four in the morning in. To, to, you know, get a shot at one. How's that echo? Is it still pretty bad for you guys? It's not bad at all. Is it really bothering you? No, that's okay, just to make sure. All, you right. all right. So you went out of uh, Dana Point with a couple of your friends, but you're not regular rod reel fishermen. No, uh, just uh, my friend John Wallet, who's the captain of the boat. He is uh, just a very seasoned boat captain. He used to do long-range trips. So he is a rod and reel guy. He's also the guy that found the fish for us. Um, he's, you know, he's one of those guys with uh, his fingers all over looking for uh, the information, finding the right fish dope, and getting us to the right place. So um, he has all the lures, he has all the trolling rods set up, and we just we head out about 4:30 in the morning. And I was just uh, planning to jump in and hoping to hope to see some fish and hoping uh, to get a shot at a big tuna. So that's one of the things that me and my friends, including John and Dominic Vidala, that was on the boat with me as well. That's one of the things that we've kind of had as a bucket list thing for several years now. Well, hey, let me set up this uh, this scene. You guys are out looking for fish, but you're not Ron Real fishermen. You're spear fishermen. Right. Okay. Right. On. So we're looking to jump in and spear one. So anyway, we uh we hit the uh we hit about eight miles out by about six in the morning. We've been trolling around for a couple hours and we hadn't seen any any tuna or anything, but. We'd seen a bunch of dolphin kind of jumping around and some birds flying high, but nothing, nothing really hitting the water, nothing to indicate that there was actually a, you know, good fish anywhere nearby. So we, we trolled for a few hours more and started heading south. We had a kind of a backup plan was to go and try and hunt some white sea bass and some yellowtail in one of our local kelp beds. Um, so we just figured we'd troll that way, you know, going regular trolling speed. And all of a sudden we, we saw a bunch of bluefin just start to break the surface. So we headed over that direction and kind of trolled by nice and slow, and they vanished. Uh, that happened twice. And then we spent another hour or two looking with, with no luck. So we were just about to head in um, to the kill beds when a bunch of tuna just boiled up, and, and John kicked it into higher gear, and we got, got close to the fish. And it was, uh, you know, kind of a Superman in the telephone booth kind of thing with us putting our wetsuits on and, and uh, getting ready to jump in. Um, all the fish just started boiling closer and closer. And my buddy John was casting a jig, trying to trying to catch one on rod and reel as we're getting ready to jump over the side. And uh, the guns were all loaded up. And I've got uh, you asked before. I've got the 165 Hulu sub. It's a it's a hardwood handcrafted spear gun. It's kind of like a crossbow, uh, for lack of a better term. Um, and the thing is, as tall as as tall as I am, so it's it's a big gun. It's it's designed for a fish like this, really. Um, so, um, as the fish just kind of jumped out of the water and pretty close to about 50 feet away, I uh, kicked over the side and just swam away from the boat. And, uh, I didn't see anything for the first about 30, 45 seconds. And, um, anyway, 
looked down and I saw about 80 feet deep, I saw all the fish just circling. It looked like a, a big kind of tuna tornado because just the way they school, they wire up top and they taper down at the bottom. So it looks like they're in a blender almost. Um, so I could see that big kind of uh, vortex down there. So I just took a deep breath and dove down. And as I was diving down, the fish started breezing up, which isn't, uh, isn't the usual uh, tendency. Those, uh, those bluefin are pretty airy. They don't like to get close to you. So um, as I was going down, the fish were breezing up. One of the fish kind of kicked over to its side just a hair. I think it wanted to get a little look at me, and that caused the sun to hit it and just lit it up, and it was just a big, beautiful bluefin. Um, I wasn't sure how big it was, but um, I knew it was a nice fish, and it was just lit up by the sun. So I keyed on that one as I dove down. I leveled off at about 30 feet, and that fish, they were all the fish were feeding on tuna crab. So they weren't they weren't on the hunt real real quick or anything. They were kind of lazily schooling, and um, they breezed by not not super fast. So I was able to push closer to to that one that I was keying on, and lined up for a shot. And uh, I, I figured I figured it was about a sixty pound fish, and I thought it was about fifteen feet away. So the way I was lining up to shoot it, I lined up to lead it so that when I when I shot, I was aiming kind of more towards its nose and hoping to hit behind its gill plate. Um, so when I shot, I saw my shaft fly, and it flew longer than I thought it would, and it hit the fish dead center. And then that fish just torpedoed straight down like a, like a submarine. It was, it was not happy. And all the other fish just completely vanished, like, like they weren't even there. Are you still with me? Yeah, we're here. Okay. Tell your story, uh, yeah, man. So, this is great. Okay. All right. Just making make sure you guys are all there. Um, so anyway... Yeah, so the fish torpedoed down, and I, I came up to the surface, and I yelled at my buddy John, uh, who I had asked to tend my float line as I got out of the boat. I have the, the shaft is hooked up to uh, a mono, a very heavy mono uh, fishing line for about 30 feet, 30 to 40 feet. Then it goes to a 100-foot-long um, spectra-reinforced bungee cord uh, made by Rife. It's special for these kind, of, these kind of fish. So it goes to that 100-foot cord, and then it goes to a big, heavy buoy, it's a three-atmosphere buoy. It's also made by Rife. Um, they're meant to not be able to, uh, to be pulled underwater. So um, anyway, as I was coming up, and that line is racing through my hands, and the fish is diving straight down, and I can't see it at all anymore. The thing's gone. Um, I came up to the surface, and I just yelled at John. I said, hey, I'm on, you know, and not just me. You know, we got fish on. And he looked at me, and he yelled, yeah, right, like that, as um, <laughs> all the line is just flying out of the boat. And I just yelled at him, throw the buoy. And he's like, what? And then the buoy smacked up against the transom, and he grabs it and heaves it over the rail. And then the buoy raced up to me, and I got it in my <laughs> hand. And the thing, uh, you know, it, it pulled underwater, but not very far and not for very long. Just for, it, you got underwater about five feet, and, um, and then it came back up. And those, those bungees, they're designed to stretch to 250 feet, which takes the shock out of uh, that fish getting hit and then tearing off. Sure. Um, and this shot that I had, I wasn't, I wasn't very excited with the shot that I had where I hit it. I was worried it was going to tear off. And by the time we got the fish back to the boat an hour later, when I went to take that, that shot out, I only had to cut about a half inch of skin to pull the tip out of the fish. Wow. So it was, uh, it was very close, you know. But one of the things that happened on our trip when we were driving the boat out there, you know how you have a lot of time to talk when you're just trolling around and looking for fish. Um, my friend Dominic and I had gotten into a, got into a conversation about our faith, 
and just about uh, God and kind of where we stood. And, and um, I was just able to, when I shot that fish, I just, you know, said to God, I said, hey, if you want this fish to come in the boat, it's going to be you, you know, and uh, I'm just going to do everything I can. I'm going to do my best. But if that fish is coming in the boat, it's going to be it's going to be his doing. And you know, I was I was worried. I wanted to get the fish, but at that point, I felt I felt relaxed and I, I felt good. So anyway, um, the buoy's caught. The fish is straight down. It sinks 250 feet down, and it's just that uh, float line was rigid. It was like a guitar string. The thing was vibrating, and that fish was just it was just fighting like crazy. So I gave it some time. I let it tire out. Started bringing the bringing the line up. You pull it through a tuna clip. So it's like a one-way cam as you're bringing the fish up. Mm-hmm. And the thing would fight and then kind of, you know, give line a little bit. And I got it to about 80 feet where I could see it. So it hit color at about 80 feet. And my friend Dominic was in the water with his gun, which is also uh, an Ulu stub. The same gun that I have, we actually ordered him at the same time from the same guy, that John, who makes insane guns. But uh, anyway, he had his gun loaded up, and it was hooked to another float line and another buoy, and he handed it to me. And I took a couple deep breaths and then dove down and basically chased the fish down because it saw me and it started freaking out and uh, running pretty hard. So I chased it down and was able to get a second shot into it just to hold it so that it wouldn't, um, it wouldn't tear off. And it came to the surface, and we had two buoys being pulled underwater. You know, off and on, it would drag both these buoys down to about five feet and come back up. And the fish had just a lot of fight left in it. So we rigged up one more gun so I could try to put a kill shot into it so I wouldn't have to get next to it. Because at this point, I've down next to it and seen it and realized that it's the size of, you know, the size of me and my <laughs> friends. So, and I, I was, you know, incredibly pumped to see it and, and to have this fish on, but I just wanted to take my time and do everything the right way because it could be dangerous when you've got this, you know, 170-pound tuna swimming around with two metal bars through it and lines hanging off of it and whatnot. So... John loaded up his gun, handed it to me in the water. I dove down and was able to put a what I thought was a brain shot in it. The fish was still, and I swam up, and then it starts kicking again. And I ended up just grabbing a knife off my belt that's used for uh, braining fish. And I dove down, and I, um, I brained it, and it still had a little bit of fight. Actually, it still had just nerves kicking, which was making it hard to swim to the surface. So I went up, uh, breathed up one more time, and then I dove down, and I bled it. So I bled the fish, and it, um, it just, you know, that was a lot of blood. And I let it die and then was able to dive back down on it. When we brought it, I, I had pulled the line up to about 50 feet, so the fish was only about 50 feet deep at this point. So I dove down and was able to pry its gills open and point it at the surface and then just kicked it to the surface. My buddy brought the boat over, and we wrapped a rope around it, and then uh, the three of us brought it over the rail. Great. Now, when you weighed this fish, so you weighed this fish after it bled out and, you know, several hours, I'm sure, afterwards. And what was the tail of the tape on this fish, uh, Aaron? Uh, as far as how long it was? No. I think it well, was. Yeah, uh, and the weight. Okay, so it was 173.3 pounds. And we measured it or we weighed it at uh, the Dana Point Harbor Fuel Dock there. So they have a reg- registered scale there, so... We uh, we waited there. Everybody was pretty pumped, you know, and we were having a we were having a blast. And some of the guys there actually said it was a was a record. So we were pretty excited about that. Um, we honestly just wanted to go get a pack of Pacificos and uh, start cleaning it, and then just start giving it out to our friends. But we realized that we kind of had something special, and we 
we needed to, you know, take care of it the right way as far as um, just measuring it and documenting it. So um, I ran over to uh, Hogan's Bait and Tackle in Dana Point and picked up a uh, big fish bag, the biggest one they had, and they had it in stock, which was amazing. Oh, man. You know? And when I went in there, it was amazing. I went in there, and there's a guy at the counter checking out, right? We've only had this fish, you know, in Dana Point for maybe 30 minutes. And I, I'm buying this bag, and this guy looks at me, and he goes, that's a big bag. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I just got a fish. He goes, did you just catch that 180-pound tuna? And this guy I'd never seen before in my life. And I go, well, it's 173 pounds. <laughs> Thinking maybe there was another one out there. But uh, the word was just like wildfire. And my good, my good buddy John, as soon as I had shot that fish, he started texting pictures of me chasing this buoy around to all of our friends saying that I better catch it because he already told people I had shot it. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, Aaron, our, our friend Terry Foreman, uh, formerly from the DFG, uh, he said that uh, while he was on duty there, he certified a 383-pound bluefin tuna at Guadalupe that was shot by uh, huh. uh, Terry Mays. And so, and he knows that there are bigger fish that is a world record. But it sounds like there's a good chance that you might have a California record. And we want to thank you very much for being with us and telling us your story. Well, hey, thanks a lot. You know, and Terry Moss is the guy who has had that record, and, and he yeah. gave me a phone call to congratulate me. And I just uh, want to uh, congratulate the gentleman. All right, a gentleman, yeah, a gentleman named Mark, who uh, a few days ago shot a 178-pounder. So there's more fish out there, and they're coming in. So I haven't gotten a chance to call him. I just got his number. But, Mark, if you're listening, congratulations, man. And uh, let's everybody get out there because there's still a lot of fish. All right. Aaron Schock uh, got himself a 173-pound bluefin tuna spearfishing. Aaron, congratulations. Thanks a lot for being with us. I, I know you're on duty right now. Thank you very much for your service, too. Uh, we look forward to speaking to you in the not-too-distant future, okay? It's our pleasure, and thank you so much for having us on the show. Take care. All right. Hey, uh, Wendy okay. Toshar is with us tonight. I'm your host, Hopalong John Cassidy. Coming up next... What the heck is Phil thinking? Uh, stay tuned. More Rod and Real Radio to come after these messages. You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect, finally a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main and El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at ElCajonFord.com. Come 
Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, H&M Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. My Angler H2O, I will scent my lure with pride. And hope my boss doesn't notice the tan. I will outmaneuver drought-exposed sunken boats and outlast the hard-fighting largemouth bass. I will save water at home for better fishing out here and always, always wear my life jacket. What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California. This segment of Ron Real Radio is brought to you by the makers of the original balloon fishing clip system, Balloon Fisher King. Now you can fish the precise bait depth desired with these easy-to-use clips and 100% biodegradable natural latex balloons. All you do is clip, inflate, bait, and fish. Look for Balloon Fisher King clips and balloons at your local tackle dealers or go to balloonfisherking.com for further information. It's a big deal, you know. I've always wanted to be on Rod and Real Radio Line. <laughs> I won the Bassmaster Classic. I did a, a McDonald's commercial, but now I know I've made it. I fulfilled my dream. <laughs> that is just absolutely awesome. And Southern California, welcome back to Rod and Real Radio. Wendy Toshahar is with me tonight. Stan is on a little. Uh, Getaway, and it's now time for what the heck is Phil thinking with the voice himself, Phil Friedman. Phil, welcome to the show, sir. John, Wendy, and everybody out there, it's great to be with you. How are you, John? Hey, we're doing great, Phil. You know, be, before you start to report, I I just need to talk a little bit about the guest that we had before, Aaron uh, Shook, and boy, I'm sorry we had to try to jam 20 pounds of information into a five-pound sack, but. What a great story going out and spearfishing a 173-pound bluefin tuna and, and kind of being able to get it because he was sitting there grazing on those beautiful tuna crabs we have out there. Oh, man, that is such a remarkable story. It's unbelievable, the, the stuff that is going on this year. And it's a, it's a great segue, actually, because I'm just leaving Dive and Surf over here in Redondo Beach, and I was part of a uh, final tournament or the weigh-in of a tournament uh, for white sea bass, uh, and it was free diving for white sea bass. And the three top guys, John, were all over 70 pounds, between 70 and 72 pounds for the first, second, and third place white sea bass. Uh, 
Wow. Spooky diving, spearfishing. So, I mean, a remarkable story that you're talking about, and I was just so impressed with the size of these sea bass that they're spearing over here in the Santa Monica Bay area. It's really, really great stuff. Oh, man. The, uh, the, the ocean is alive out there. Uh, uh, the pictures I see uh, of people that are out there that are videoing uh, uh, these bluefin that are out there, there's porpoise, there's bait fish, there's tuna crabs. Obviously, we've had a big influx of those tuna crabs watching on to our beaches here in uh, San Diego, especially Ocean Beach, uh, just blanketing the um, uh, the beach. It is just amazing how much natural forage there is out there, Phil. Oh, it really is, and I don't have to look too far. I can look out my front door, John, and we have had just massive amounts uh, barring yesterday and the, and today, but we've had massive amounts of anchovies on our beaches here in Surfside, and then of course marauding through all those anchovies are yellowfin, croaker, halibut, and some nice perch and corina, and we've been really just taking advantage of some wonderful surf fishing with all that bait on the beach, and it's so lively. Pelicans diving everywhere, birds diving everywhere, and you just pretty much you know you, you're like a mini sport boat yourself. You just move from bird school to bird school. You have to walk up and down the beach, sometimes try to run. For, for some of us, that's a little bit difficult, but we do our best. And, uh, man, you get over there and you toss your crocodile, you toss whatever you're using, and get an instant hookup. And it has been so much fun and so lively. It's it's great. And, and we're not only seeing it in one spot, John. That's the beauty of this whole thing. You're seeing it offshore with the bluefin and the yellows on kelps. You're seeing it at the islands, this bite that's going on. I'll talk about it in a moment on the uh, area off of Long Beach and San Pedro for yellowtail is absolutely the best I've ever seen in my life here. And so, so many different options and so many great things going on right now. Yeah, it, it really is. It's a great time. In fact, this abundance of bait in the, in the water, it might be actually working against the fishermen when it comes to these bluefin tuna that are out there. But as you mentioned before, and, and get on your report, the yellowtail fishing is outstanding. So take it away, Phil. John, uh, no question, and uh, you're right. It could be working against it, but at some point in time, I think the light switch will go on, and we'll start catching, no question about it. I have to talk to you all about this local yellowtail bite up here off of Long Beach, San Pedro area. It is just remarkable. It for sure takes a dive on the weekends, but that is foreseeable. You can envision the amount of boats that are on this thing, and it just gets multiplied on the weekends and has a tendency to shove the bite down. But come Monday and Tuesday of this week, I have no doubt we're going to go back to 100-plus scores on boats like the Enterprise out of Marina Sport Fishing in Long Beach. We'll go back to 100-plus scores on the Native Sun out of 22nd Street Landing. Half-day boats like the Southern Cal with 80 for their morning trip. And that doesn't tell the story. They're big, John. They're 18 to 25 pounds. I mean, there's some 15s in there. But most of them are that 18 to 25, sometimes to 30 pounds. They are really nice. big, giant, Guadalupe-esque type fish that have invaded our local waters here. And it really is special. Don Ashley, who, of course, has been doing this longer than I have. Man, he is old. But he's been doing this a long time. And he said he walked down to the Southern Cal from the office, and he called me up right away, and he goes, these things are big, man. There, there's no exaggeration going on here. They are really big, big shoulders, big, thick yellows. They pull hard. They've got nasty attitudes. And luckily, they're out in deep water, so that, that helps out quite a bit. They eat the heavy strings, so 
40-pound test. A big hook is what I like to pin a big fish on, so a 3-0 to 5-0 size hook. And they eat the bait really, really well. Sardines are working really excellently for these fish. Also, some yo-yo ironfish, also some surface ironfish. And private boaters have been having their way on this bite also. And every once in a while in this very same area, I believe there's been five opas caught. Most recently, a 100-plus pounder caught. So there are some really extraordinary catches going on. But the local yellowtail bite, off the hook, best I've ever seen, best Donnie's ever seen. And uh, the, the quality and the size it's had, somebody scooped them all up from Cedros or like Guadalupe Island where you get those big quality yellows and just plunked them right down in front there. And it's extraordinary, the bite that's going on. Man, you were mentioning, you know, we've got the same thing happening here, uh, Phil. You know, it seemed like it was about four or five weeks ago when I went aboard the uh, Legend and and Captain Chuck Taft said, uh, you know, we're not going to be fishing the Coronado Islands right now because that yellowtail bite has slowed down. We're going to go out, stay in U.S. waters. We're going to get some bluefin. And, and on that trip, we were lucky enough to get, I think, 19 bluefin. And it seems like the tides have turned again because just uh, got a report from uh, Captain Taft on the legend. He was out at the Coronado Islands uh, uh, today on the uh, legend. And they had 130 yellowtail out there. The Mission Belleville out of Point Loma Sport Fishing was out there. They had 60 yellowtail. And, guys, time to get your passports together if you don't already have them. Because if you don't have a passport, you're not going to be able to go down to Mexico and fish these fish. Malahini, talking to Bill Robinson, he, uh, Wilkerson, he's going down there tomorrow. And they're going to all try to cash in on this great yellowtail fishing and Captain Chuck also reported that in the midst, and now this is on an overnight trip, in the midst of all those yellowtail, there was also one yellowfin tuna. So, uh, uh, Phil, it, it just keeps on going. Yeah, John, I got turned on to that yesterday with uh, Ryan Bossian over there on the San Diego at Limits of Yellowtail. And you're right, man, and they're nice fish. They're not the, I don't believe they're the same grade as up here, but they're nice 12 to 18-pound fish. It's beautiful yellowtail, and that yellowfin just kind of puts an exclamation point on the fact that, that we're going to have a warm water year more, more than likely in El Nino with all these red crabs. That seems to indicate to me more than anything that we're into this El Nino cycle. And you're right. It is so special right now. So darn good, the fishing down there. And, you know, I mean, some of us have been whining about we got to get passports and everything. You get Just get over it. Get your passport. You're going into a foreign country. You have to do that when you go into any other foreign country. Get your passport and start enjoying this magnificent fishing, because you never know how long this is going to last, number one, and when it'll happen again. I mean, you talk about the good old days. These are the good old days right now, and and we're seeing, you know, jump making another jump up north to Channel Islands. Great fishing going on up there. More white sea bass starting to show up up there. More yellowtail, some big halibut starting to show up. Of course, the rockfish bite we don't even talk about because it's always so reliable and so good up there. But we're starting to see all that. Live squid for bait up there. Squid nests being found uh, on at Catalina Island right now. So we've got a shot now of adding live squid to the mix and looking out to the next full moon. If we have squid, I can't see why we're not going to see a lot more white sea bass taken at Catalina Island, maybe Santa Barbara Island, maybe San Clemente Island. Everything well, just seems to be clicking right now. Bill, I don't know if you heard, though, one of my favorite boats um the CJ, they went out and they all got, um, he got limits of white sea bass. 
And I went out last Sunday and on a private boat, and over at Newport, they had squid at the bait barge. So, you know, the bait barges do have squid. We went over to Catalina. I actually saw squid on the front side of Catalina. So we've got a lot of squid. And, and I, I talked to somebody I really respect, Taka Tanaka from Taka Bait and Tackle, and I asked him, when are these bluefin going to bite? And he says, Wendy, you need to watch the yellowfin. When the yellowfin come and the yellowfin go in their feeding frenzy, that's when the bluefin are going to start biting like crazy. Wow. Well, I won't, I won't argue with that. I, I had my old guy. My old guy used to be a guy named Yo down in Gardena from Yo's Fishing Tackle. Oh. He used to come out with uh, on the searcher on Mondays when I was a deckhand on the searcher. So I know exactly what you mean. Those guys have been through this and know what they're talking about. You can rely on them so often. You know, Phil, this this is indicative of the fishing we're having. I'm, I'm looking at the results from... Uh, uh, last week's uh, uh, finale of the International Yelltail Derby. Now, there were, I think, 80-plus fishermen that were registered in the Derby this year, and they had a, a period of about six weeks to fish. And you figure 80 fishermen fishing out of Southern California is not a big number. But when you look at the results, Rick Maxa, he had the largest yellowtail of the event. It went 45 pounds, 10 ounces. Jeez. And then when you look at the white sea bass, we've been talking about the great white sea bass bite. And I, I went out with Captain James Nelson a week and a half ago, and, gee, we had a great white sea bass at, at 32.5. I thought that was pretty good. Josh Levine won the sea bass division in the International Yellowtail Derby with a 45-pound white sea bass. And then to add to uh, icing to the cake to the derby, there was a halibut uh, division and a Neil Barber had a 25-2 pound halibut, and we're only talking about you know the results of of 80 people going out and fishing, and they all had great numbers, uh, far better than last year. So it is really percolating out there real well. Oh my God! And a 44 or 45 pound yellowtail for Rick—that is one <laughs> big forky, man. That is a big yellow. You don't. You don't see that around these uh, waters all that often. That's a big yellow, very impressive. And and like you say, John, uh, things are just clicking. And, and up here, when you watch these local boats come in, and, and you think to yourself, well, seriously, you know, people invest thousands of dollars, go on multi-day trips to catch the fish that they're catching on half-day boats out of Long Beach right now. It's really, when we say once in a lifetime, and we say that every week, you know, once in a lifetime this week, uh, this is once in a lifetime, actually. It really is crazy, and it's a unique opportunity. And uh, and if you can get out during the week, I think your odds go way, way up. Uh, it, it's been mostly a morning kind of bite, principally because we get so much wind in the afternoon. But I've noticed that the afternoons are starting to bite really well, too. And uh, we have had a lack of wind in our afternoon, so that afternoon bite is starting to really turn on. And I don't see any end in sight for the Channel Islands or this Long Beach bite, the offshore scene looking good. The Coronado Islands all cranked up and rocking full speed, and it's just looking really, really good. And we'll get a check. Uh, I'll get a check here at Sundown from a guy who's out fishing this local yellowtail. He wanted to try the Sundown bite on the high tide, and both of us agreed that that stuff was going to bite this evening. So fingers crossed for Ryan Gillette, and I hope he has a great trip out there. You know, Phil, and, and people shouldn't be discouraged because they're hearing about all this uh, these tuna crabs that are out here. And, uh, you know, here in the, at Angler's Arsenal, we get story after story that people are bringing in fish and they're just erping up crabs as they're coming on up. But also, 
people are telling us that they're fishing with a sardine or they're fishing with an anchovy, and especially for the halibut bite, which is pretty good out here, as the halibut is coming up, it is erping up crabs, but it bit an anchovy. So, you know, uh, I guess fish just, uh, you know, we try and relate human characteristics to fish, like saying, oh, they shouldn't be hungry or anything else like that. You show them maybe something different, and you might get a fish of a lifetime. So that's really great. Absolutely. And I think we should start a movement on Rod and Reel Radio where everybody listening should get some extra batter in the house and start to eat those red crabs. They have to be delicious, deep fried, and in a delectable batter. John, what do you think? Well, you know, I just happen to have someone that has tried that, and I was going to keep that on to, to later on. But, uh, uh, Wendy, just, just quickly, you fooled around a little bit with it. How successful were you with uh, preparing red crab? Yeah, you know, I deep fried them, you know, just like a uh, bluegill. You get a small bluegill or a sand dab, you deep fry them, and you can eat the, you can eat the fins and all. Well, same thing with the, um, the little crabs, the pelagic crabs. You can go ahead and deep fry those, and they're nice and crispy, and, and it's really good. I, I, I enjoyed them. Well, it looks like... Are you kidding? Like I got, I'm dying to try those now. Really? They were good, <laughs> Wendy? Look at my Facebook page. I posted it up there. <laughs> Oh, man, right on. Uh, Red Crab Party at the beach coming up this weekend. Hey, Phil, if uh, we want more information on what's happening uh, with uh, Phil Friedman and all the activities you're involved with, how's the best way to do it? Hey, John, Charlie McKay, he's a good friend of mine. He's very, 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 very ill. I want to send my love and prayers out to him and his lovely family, his wife Susie and all his children and everything else. Phil Friedman Outdoors, you can get to us at PFO on Facebook or www.pfomedia.com. And in Spanish, we're on Friday nights 9 to 10 and Sunday morning 6 to 7 on AM 690. Or you can listen to archive shows or get the very latest in Spanish by going to www.aventurasaladelibre.com. That's it, John. That's the best way to reach us. And once again, all my love and prayers going out to Charlie. All right. Yeah, we do want to give a big shout-out to Charlie. And Charlie, our... Our thoughts and prayers are with you. You know, we know you're a regular listener of not only Rod and Reel Radio, but also for Phil Friedman. Uh, we are with you. We're pulling for you, and and just thank he's you for all you've done for the fishermen of this community. Hey, Phil, we look forward to speaking to you next week. You going to be around for Father's Day? Absolutely, I wouldn't miss it. All right. Hey, thanks a lot, Phil, for a great report. This is uh, Wendy Toshar and Hop Along John Cassidy on Rod Reel Radio. You're listening to us on AM 540 or at rodreelradio.com. Stay tuned. More to come with the California Inshore Report with Captain James Nelson. we got to take a break right now. We'll be right back. Angler's Arsenal is the serious angler's first choice for hand-poured plastics, McCoy lines, Pro products, Gamakatsu hooks, G. Loomis fishing rods, Shimano products, Ovet reels, and just about anything you hear advertised on Rod and Reel Radio. Go to anglersarsenal.com and visit our online tackle store. See the huge selection of Western Plastics hand-poured baits, all at anglersarsenal.com. Angler's Arsenal tackle store is conveniently located in La Mesa, just off Interstate 8. Give us a call at 1-800-428-8730. If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. 
Iser Line makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top angler-tested Iser Line tools and accessories. Iser Line premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their products. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. This portion of Rod and Reel Radio is brought to you by the Rockley's Fish Release System. Now you can quickly and easily release fish suffering from barotrauma back to the depths they were caught. Look or ask for the Rockley's at your local fishing tackle dealer. Hey, Southern California, welcome back to Rod and Reel Radio. I'm your host, Hopalong John Cassidy. And with me tonight is my co-host, Wendy Toshihara. And, Wendy, uh, let's bring on Captain James Nelson with the California Inshore Report. Captain James is brought to you by the Rockley's Fish Release System. Captain James, we've been talking about the red crabs and how they've been affecting fishing here. How have they been affecting the fishing that you've been doing? Uh, that's a good question, John. I have no idea. Okay, good. Hey, let's go back to preparation of red crab, okay, then? <laughs> You know, I, I've had customers coming into the store saying that, especially uh, halibut and sand bass, that as they've been bringing them up, even though they caught them on a, uh, a sardine or an artificial uh, lure, that as they're coming up, they're erping up uh, uh, these uh, red crabs. Have Have you noticed that at all? Yeah, I've been noticing that since February. <laughs> And you just you just mentioning it now? <laughs> Actually, uh, I, yeah. I mean, I mentioned it back then. I, I even know a guy in town who makes a really good uh, red crab imitation. I've been talking about it and telling people to do it. And now all of a sudden, it's a it's a crazy. I even saw a guy on on uh, earlier on Facebook. Somebody I know. Somebody I told him where to get those. He actually put on Facebook asking, "Hey, where can I get a good red crab imitation?" <laughs> I don't know, John. Hey, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't force him to drink. What can I tell you? Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, and that's it. If you have a lure that imitates a red crab right now, if you're fishing our inshore waters, or even if you're fishing out in the kelp or you know, some of the uh, the hard pan bottom areas that are off our local shores, would you uh, would you recommend going down there with some type of red crab imitation lure? Oh, absolutely, and, uh, you know, if you can scoop them up with with your net, you know, I've got that big Promar landing net. Mm-hmm. The, the webbing on it is small enough that I've scooped some up. you got to be pretty quick about it, but when they, they come up near the boat, you just have that thing ready and you scoop a few up. I've even tried them on the hook. Uh, now, they're very soft, and they're softer shelled than even a ghost shrimp, so you got to be very careful when you cast them or what you put them on, but... We've dropped them down and gotten some uh, pretty amazing vermilion catches on them and other rockfish. So, you know, they, they, they make good bait if you can get them on the hook and keep them there. 
You know, it's hard to believe that you could hook up one red crab and with the biomass there is down there, you can still get bit on it. Maybe it's because it's easier prey or it looks like it's in distress, just like sending down a sardine or an anchovy in a, in a huge biomass like that, and, and that bait gets bit. It, it, it always amazes me. You know, me too. That's a great point because a lot of times that's the excuse we use when we can't catch fish is we say there's too much competition. But, you know, when you actually put the, the real deal on the hook and get them down there, somehow, you know, a, a blind nut finds that squirrel eventually. You know what I think it is, is um, like you said, when you try to net them, these little bugs can see you and they're really, really fast. And maybe when they have a hook in them, they're not moving as 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 well as they should be, and so they're looking like they're, you know, sickly or something, and so the fish pick them out. That could be. That could be. I haven't caught any uh, pelagic fish on them yet, but we have caught uh, bottom fish, so we've dropped down probably below the mass anyway, so we look like an injured one that fell down or something. Wendy, that's a good point, because if you've ever uh, noticed uh, uh, people that are chunk fishing or or, or uh, any of the underwater uh, photography that's done with throwing out a bunch of chunks of mackerel or whatever it is that's chunking up. And even though there's a big mass bait out there, boy, those fish will come along and, and scarf up on that chunk. And uh, probably the same thing is happening with the red crab or uh, dead anchovy or, or sardine that's hooked through the nose. It, it It's just one of those things that uh, maybe it looks like it's in a little bit of distress uh, as opposed to someone else in the pack and uh, – it's the, the first to get uh, called out of the uh, uh, the school. So, wow. Well, James, tell us about uh, the fishing. If if we were to go out with you the next week, which I am not going to, even though I had tried, what is it that we'd uh, probably be doing? You know, I, I've got the most eclectic schedule this week of any. And I am, I am blessed and cursed with probably one of the neatest fishermen that I'm taking out three days at the end of the week. Uh, so that's going to make it even more eclectic. But I've got I've got the lake, a couple of lakes, two days this week. I've got uh, we'll be doing some kelp action for calicos. We'll be doing some kelp action for uh, barracuda and yellowtail. We'll be doing some bay trips for just various different species, from bonefish to leopard sharks to who knows. And then at the end of the week, I've got uh, Steve Wozniak, who not the apple guy. But right. the guy who actually, Steve Wozniak right now, I think, is number eight on the all-time most records held with IGFA. So this man, he, he's a species collector, and he's given me a list of about a dozen fish that he hopes to catch at least three of over the next or the last three days of this week. So wow. he's you know, given me quite a challenge. And, I mean, there's everything on there from fish that I didn't even know were down here that I've had to go and read up on and talk to people about and Hopefully we can get them on those fish. It's going to be fun. Well, now, are you going to take them out of uh, uh, Shelter Island Launch Ramp? Are you going to launch uh, and fish at San Diego Bay, or are you going to do Mission Bay, or what? We're going uh, in several different directions over over those three days at the end of the week, and it's it's just great. You know, he's been out with uh, with a good friend, Captain Benny Florentino from up in the L.A. area. Sure. Benny's taking them everywhere from... Uh, Dana to Santa Barbara for various different species, and and so it, it, he's, I understand that he's a really just the neatest guy when it comes to fish. As much as I'm researching these fish, he's he's months ahead of me researching them. 
So it's just going to be quite a quite an interesting trip. Well, you know what? If you can, ask uh, Mr. Wozniak if uh, come on next week if you can talk a little bit about your fishing uh, adventure and uh, heck, even even give your your good friend Woz a call and we'll be happy to give him some time on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, you know that that'd be a great thing to mention because I'm sure, I'm sure I'll have a, enough things to say on Sunday. But just in the conversation I've had with him, I mean, he's a lot more eloquent than I am on a Sunday. I'm sure. Oh, that's great. <laughs> uh, then I guess my question is, I you know, you, you think of, of of Steve Wozniak as being one of the ultimate nerds, but at the same time. Uh, he, he's an outdoorsman, and it sure sounds like he's uh, enjoying going out uh, after every species he can get a hold of. Well, again, John, this isn't the same Steve Wozniak that oh. that worked with uh, Steve Jobs to get Apple going. No, oh. this is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 if you if you went to the IGFA website and start pulling up uh, his name, I mean, you'll find all the different records he holds. Well, uh, most mostly for line class catch and release, which I know is Mindy's favorite topic. Oh right. Well, you know we uh, uh, we had Aaron Shook on here, and he told us earlier the story of that uh, 173 pound bluefin tuna that he speared off of Dana Point. And so I hope you're going to get the opportunity to get uh, some line class records and and to go on out there uh, this week. That should be exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I said, "Yeah, good luck." <laughs> yeah, thank you, because you know you know what a challenge it can be. So it's going to be fun. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> All right. You know, uh, uh, Captain James, I've I've had people coming uh, into the shop telling me that uh, the uh, uh, the calico bite and the the kelp it seemed to cool off a little bit, and I'm getting conflicting signals on that. Do you have any update on how that calico bite is? Well, John, it did cool off a little, uh, and it really depends on the areas where you are and what you're doing. Uh, but as you and I both have experienced, I think it's still uh, doing pretty well in the La Jolla area for guys who are just willing to put the sardines and the and the uh, surface irons down long enough to fish for them and leave the yellowtail. <laughs> but uh, um, they are happening there okay. Where they really slowed down a lot was, in the Point Loma kelp, and you know, and I've experienced that myself as well as watching other boats that are out there. That I mean, we were catching them, you know, by the grows, and most folks catch and release still, so that's cool. But uh, you know, the barracuda came in, and that picked up a little bit. We got some of those this week, and then it just seemed like everything all along the kelp just kind of fizzled out altogether. Other than those big, huge macro, I mean, we're still getting those things, but uh, the bottom fish are just like you wouldn't believe. Link cod right now. If you want a link cod, drop something down. You know, yeah, they're what, just waiting. Everybody's what is the ignoring story them. about that? I saw a picture of you on Facebook with a young man that had absolutely one of the nicest link cods you'd ever want to see just fishing off our, our local waters. What, uh, what's, what's happening with that? Uh, man, those oh, fish it, are nice. It, it was beautiful. We've been getting them, you know, you could put a tetherball in their mouth. They're, they're huge. Uh, most, most of them if you look at them, they look like a post-spawn largemouth because their, their heads and mouths are so big and then their bodies are just real slender. So that tells me that something's not going on like normal, and I think what it is is the squid beds aren't happening like they normally do this time of year. And uh, 
that, that's my only guess. And, and I guess they're not eating red crabs. Uh, maybe they, maybe the red crabs are swimming a little too high in the column for them or something. But the, and, and they're biting good. So that tells me that they're not eating like they normally do, and they're willing and able to hit everything. And we are catching some, some really monsters, some really good ones. I've only had to measure a few uh, for the guys who have kept them and the guys that don't. I mean, it's just beautiful watching fish from 26 to 30 inches just swim back down in the water. It's just amazing. How are you <laughs> catching those fish, uh, uh, Captain James, and at what depths are you fishing them? I mean, you're, you're not fishing them in the bay, or are you actually fishing them, you know, at the mouth of the bay or what? That's a great question, John, and, you know, and I'm, I'm willing to reveal because there's, there's enough out there and uh, there's not a lot of people doing it, but go to any of our, our treatment pipelines, and they pretty much are hanging around there. There are some other rock piles that I won't reveal because some of those are either I spent a lot of time finding them or somebody else told me, and I'm not going to give away somebody else's spots. But we all know those pipelines, especially outside the green tanks oh, yeah. on Point Loma. There's that pipeline that sewage treatment comes out. There's also one in Imperial Beach. We all know about those. If you go up and down those things with the dropper loop uh, live bait of your choice, whether it be sardine or anchovy, you'll, you're more than likely going to get one. Another good way is, and believe it or not, this is how we're, we're catching a few more than we actually do on live bait, is big chunks of mackerel. So catch a fresh mackerel and cut a big chunk of it and put it on a big old... Uh, hook just like we would for the sharks. Those big seven knot, eight knot gamagatsu octopus hooks were great for that. I don't know what it is, but they, I guess the smell gets them out. So they're, the chunk mackerel works really well. Another uh, thing that we've caught them on lately, sometimes you catch them haphazard on swim baits, but the jigging iron, especially the squid one, uh, Phoenix makes that new Cedros uh, jig that they call it's one of those Rich Whitaker designs, you know, the imprint mm-hmm. that it's a shrink wrap thing that looks exactly like a squid. They like the red one. If you can get the red one down there, uh, the red squid, and just jig it, just keep pumping it up and down off the bottom, uh, you'll, you'll catch a lean caught on that. And I've had, uh, last week I had a guy and his two sons, sons now, 19, and he caught more on that than they did on bait. And he caught, I think, three of their keepers. Wow. So it, it's, it's just a... You just got to work at them, you know, just get get there. And along the way, we're catching other rockfish that, like I said, just being ignored. Everything from Johnny Bass to Vermilion to, you know, Starries and Browns and just all the other different beautiful critters, even Barberfolds are coming up. So, I mean, we're catching all the different types of rockfish that most people only like to catch when the yellowtail aren't in town. <laughs> uh, it's great. It, it, great time to be uh a guy that knows where the spots are too, like you, uh, Captain James, because uh, you know you're you go out and you catch the fish that your uh, clients want to catch, whether it's the spotted bay bass, the bonefish in our bay, the calicos. You even go after the pelagics. And I know your schedule is jammed, but if people want to get a hold of you and schedule a trip, uh, it'll have to be into the future. Here, how's the best way to do that? Well, you go to the website. It is thefishicon.com. And, yes, I am booked up until next Monday at this point. The 22nd is my next available. But uh, go to thefishicon.com. You can even see the calendar. You can fill out a form. And you'll see my number. So you could also just jump to the chase and call that 619-395-0799. 
you know, and I'm all, always know that you're happy to talk to people and, you know, you try to give them the latest on what's happening so they can uh, scale their trip and go after uh, exactly the fish they want to go after. So, Captain James, uh, great report and uh, good luck over this week. I know your book. We look forward to speaking to you next week with the Southern California Inshore Report. Thanks a lot for your time always on this Sunday night. Always a pleasure, John. Thank you, and thank you, Wendy, and uh, I'll talk to you guys later. All right. That was Captain James Nelson, thefishicon.com. Hey, that's it for the first hour of Rod and Real Radio. Wendy Toshihara is with us tonight. Stan is on leave. I'm your host, Hopalong John Cassidy. Stay tuned. Coming up next, if we can catch up with him, Jerry McGinnis. So uh, we'll do that and be whacked with you after these messages. You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect, finally a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main at El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at ElCajonFord.com. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, H&M Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. My Angler H2O. I will never use that fakey fluorescent pink bait or drag my hula popper through the mud. I will outmaneuver drought-exposed stumps, rocks, and submerged station wagons and outsmart the ravenous river otter. I will save water by taking shorter showers for higher lakes and I will always, always wear my life jacket. What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California. Hey everybody, this is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fish at Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. 
There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. Hi, this is BSS record holder Dean Rojas. El Cajon Ford helped me when I got started in my career and let them help you with a new F-Series Ford truck. And remember, nobody beats El Cajon Ford. California, welcome back to the second hour of Rod Real Radio. I'm your host, Hopalong John Cassidy. With me is the national sales manager for Iserline and my co-host Wendy Toshihara. And it is time for our next guest. And this is a gentleman I've been looking forward to talking to again for a long, long time. He has been likened to being the Teddy Roosevelt of fishing here in the United States. If I tried to give you all the titles that probably go in front of this uh, gentleman's name, uh, it take up the whole interview. So why don't we have him uh, talk for himself and tell us a little bit about what's happening. He's a TV show host. He's the owner of Bassmaster. And now he's a newly published author, Mr. Jerry McInnes. Jerry, welcome to the show and happy birthday, sir. Thank you very much. I'm uh, I'm still stunned by that Teddy Roosevelt uh, comment. Wow! <laughs> but that uh, that was quite a, that was quite an intro. I'm in, I'm embarrassed. I hope I can live up to all that. Well, you know, live up to all of that. I've got to tell you, just you know, uh, for the past day or so, I've been trying to get some background information on things to ask you, especially about your new book uh, that is. Uh, uh, come out, bass fishing, uh, brown dogs, and uh, curveballs. I tried to get on your site, and I could not get through the birthday wishes that you have received probably in the last 48 oh hours. Oh, my gosh. Uh, uh, it, it's incredible, Jerry. It was, that was unbelievable. Did you see? I've, I started kind of at the top having no idea how many there were there. And I was going to answer them all. I figured maybe I had 20, and uh, I thought that'll, that'll, uh, that'll be nice. i got to say uh, thank you to all these people. Well, it just kept going and kept going, and so I went down to the bottom. I, I At that time, and that was four or five hours ago, I had about 500 of them, so I did not answer them all. <laughs> oh, that's great. Just tell them to send money, okay, or buy the book, even. that That's even better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish I had so many books. Oh, my gosh. Well, Jerry, I've got one of your books on order. Unfortunately, it hasn't uh, gotten to me yet, but I am looking forward to it because when when it comes to the history of bass fishing and, and freshwater fishing here in the United States, uh, your name is synonymous as Forrest Wood or Cotton Cordell or Roland Martin or Bill Dance or, or any of these movers and shakers in the industry, and I I have so many questions I want to ask you, but, you know, let's, let's first start off with a lot of people originally came across you from television. You were actually credited as being the fella that really helped launch ESPN because at the time it was a, a fledgling network. They were going to go, well, we're going to have sports on 24 hours a day, and boy, isn't this going to be wonderful and then all of a sudden, someone probably scratched their head and it goes, where are we going to get material and stuff? And you came along with your show. Can you kind of take it away from there? Well, you know, that, uh, uh, I, I have to, I don't know, I have to back out on that one that says that I've, uh, 
uh, was uh, uh, responsible for getting ESPN started. I'm, I am really, really proud that I was there on the ground floor and got in on a, on a lot of it. But uh, uh, I have to tell you, when they start first, well, first of all, when I found them. I was uh, my show was syndicated, and of course I didn't I didn't know what cable was. There just there just was no such thing, hardly. And I was up in the Finger Lakes uh, uh, in New York, and I came in one night, and this television has got like six or seven channels on it. I'm thinking, holy cow! I never, you know, at home we had had two or three. Uh, well, it was cable. And I started watching this show that was, I think, the New England Sports Cable Network. And it was all about uh, New England sports. And they had some rugby on there and some stuff like that, you know. And and I was interested because it was just all sports. And uh, every night I'd come in and watch that. And I thought, man, my show's just as good as this stuff. I'm going to go to these people and try to get on the air. This was in the late 70s now. Yeah. And... So I did. I, I found out where they were at. They were in Bristol, Connecticut, and I went up there, and they were, oh, my gosh, it was just, I, I bet there wasn't 25 people working for them. And, and so I told them what I wanted to do, and, and we made arrangements to do it. You know, we're going to start next year. And um, before I ever got on the air, they changed from the New England Sports Cable Network to ESPN. <clears throat> And ESPN stood for, and still stands for, the Entertainment and Sports Programming Network, where their their entertainment was going to be movies. Uh, they were going to run movies half the time and sports half the time. <laughs> well, something happened, and they couldn't get all the, the 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 contracts and the commitments and everything for the movies, and they ended up with, oh my gosh, we're stuck with. Um, uh, putting sports on the air for 24 hours a day. I wonder, I wonder if people will go for that. <laughs> and and obviously, it was a, you know, it was it became ESPN. What more can I say? And I was really, really lucky to be on the ground floor there, there with my show, and uh, uh, away we went. You know. Uh, well, Jerry, when when you went to them. Did they say, hey, Jerry, we'd like to have you just bring all your sponsors aboard and we're going to just charge you this to, to, to do the show? Or did they have a combination of your sponsors? Or, or you know, what, what greased the wheel, really, to get the, uh, you know, the well, fishing the, pole what on really, ESPN? What, yeah, what really got it started was I made a time buy. And a time buy is when you go in and you you got a, an hour or a half hour that, that you want to place your show and you buy it. I mean that that's the way it, that's the way it is today too. But way back then that rule was in place but at ESPN no one had ever done it before. So I was the first one to go in there and say, I want to buy my way in here. I want to buy a time buy and then then I'll have all the I'll have the uh, uh, commercial time and my existing sponsors will be placed in those spots. And um, now, now you'll have to, if you can grasp this, this is hard to imagine. They had about 5 million subscribers at the time. 
Right now, they have a, they have over a hundred million on ESPN. They have over a hundred million on ESPN two. They're right at that with uh, with uh, news. With you know, all their stations are a hundred million or thereabouts. But at that at that time that we were doing this, they only had five million subscribers. That was nothing. Uh, it was very difficult for me to go to my sponsors and say, hey, we're moving over to this new outfit called Cable. We're going to ESPN, and we're going to deliver this audience, which was much smaller than what I had in the first place. Well, obviously, uh, obviously it grew very quickly. But to answer your question, <clears throat> no, they had no sponsors for me. I brought my own sponsors and kind of, <clears throat> kind of bought my way uh, kind of bought my way all the way along. Wow. Well, you know, you know, now it's fashionable with great shows like Inside Sports Fishing and a lot of the shows we see where people going around the world and traveling and going to exotic places. But you were the you were kind of the guy that was the groundbreaker on that too, were you not? Well, you mean going around the world to different just, places? Just different places no, to fish, I, yeah. Yeah. Actually, I wasn't. I went. I went the completely opposite way of that. Now, I'm not here to say I didn't go to some great places. You know, I went to Russia and went to South America, all over Canada. I did a lot of that, but I did not. I didn't. Uh, my foundation wasn't that way. My foundation was a flat bottom boat in a little creek or a pond fishing for bluegill. Are over in some river carp fishing, or you know that that's the kind of stuff most people get to do. And I tried to make something out, well, and that's why I, I I wasn't trying to make something out of it. That's really what I did. I was just a regular old guy who loved to fish on the weekend and uh, for smallmouth on the creek or for crappie out on a, a small lake. And then every now and then I would cut loose and go with so-and-so, and we'd go uh, uh, bone fishing over in the Bahamas, something like that. Uh, but that wasn't uh, but that wasn't where I went most of the time. Well, you know, I, I like one of the stories, and you've told me uh, the story, and I, I don't know whether it's in the book, book or not, but when uh, you were in Arkansas and uh, you decided that, hey, I need a guide to help me fish out in Arkansas, and you got a hold of a couple of people, and and can you take the story from there, sir? Well, yeah, I, uh, you know, I came home from playing professional baseball, and I started working as a carpenter apprentice, and I was still young. I, I was really lucky. I started playing baseball when I was extremely young. I was 17 years old, <clears throat> and by by 20, 21, uh, I realized I wasn't going to make it. And, uh, and, and got released. And so I'm back and I'm back home and I'm, I'm kind of brokenhearted and pretty depressed, uh, <clears throat> cause I'm not going to be a baseball player. I love to fish, man. I love to fish, um, uh, forever. And so I, I read about this, the White River and I wanted to go down there and um, and catch one in big trout at that time. This was about the, you, golly, we're talking about the mid to late 50s, I guess. And um, so I go down there. I, I make arrangements. I call a boat dock out of the blue, really. 
Uh, and I go down there, and there's a, uh, I, I got a, a guide hired. I'm going to take a float trip. So, you know, I'm so excited about catching this big trout tomorrow, you know. And I didn't realize that my whole world was going to change tomorrow, that I was going to get directed in such a way that, uh, um, you know, it'd be, be monumental. Uh, I had no idea that was coming. But I drove down to the little boat dock that was right below Bullshoe's Dam. I got out of my car. I walked down the ramp, and it was it was uh, fall or even it maybe even been uh, winter time. So there wasn't a lot of people around. <clears throat> I don't think there was anybody else on that boat dock except this skinny kid who was down at the end of the ramp. And when I got down there, he asked me if I was Jerry, and I said, "Yep." Uh, and he said, "Well." I'm going to be your guide today. My name is Forrest Wood. <laughs> and we floated the river. I, I virtually, uh, I was from Missouri, but I virtually never went back to I had to go back there, go to work, and, and um, uh, get what few belongings I have moved to Arkansas, but boy, I, I was an archer. I was a, by the time I got to the end of that pro trip, I lived in Arkansas. Um, I told Forrest I'd love to guide, I'd love to learn that fishing. He said he'd help me, and, um, you know, we've been brothers ever since that time. You know, what What was it about that part of the country? I mean, you had Cotton Cordell there, you had Bill Norman, you had Lou Childries, you had Gene LaRue, I mean... They were all concentrated in that area, and they were all coming up with these new ways to, to catch fish. Was it something that was in the water? <laughs> I don't guess there was something in the water. There was just lots of water. Okay. Uh, hey, Jerry, we got about we got to take a break right now. Can you stay with um, us? I'm uh, sorry. I'm, talk, I'm talking too much, aren't I? No, no, no. No, no, that's all right. But you know how it is. You don't want to be talking when the guys that are paying the bill are talking. <laughs> no. yep, Can you stay right. with us for another segment? Yeah. Oh, man, I'm I'm here for the duration. All right. Hey, this is Rod and Real Radio with Stan Vandenberg, Wendy Toshar. I'm your host. Hop along, John Cassidy, our special guest tonight, Jerry McGinnis. And we're talking about... A bunch of things and more topics to come with Jerry, but stay tuned. we got to take a break right now. We'll be right back after these messages. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specially heat treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter-day, full- and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. 
Call today, HM Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. An 85 by 24 deluxe sport fisher that offers a wide variety of open party trips ranging from one to five days in length. We're also available for private group charters. The Chief's onboard anemones include a fully remodeled galley with comfortable seating for 25, twin flat screen TVs with hundreds of movies, two roomy indoor heads with fresh hot water showers, stateroom and open berthing areas, an impressively large deck area, 200 scoop bait capacity. We have twin six ton spray brine fish holds to keep your catch fresh and our professional courteous crew will go the extra mile to make your trip a memorable one to view our schedule log on to h&m landing at www.hmlanding.com or feel free to give them a call at 619-222-1144 you can also follow us on facebook and at our webpage at chiefsportfishing.com Angler's Arsenal is the serious angler's first choice for hand-poured plastics, McCoy line, Spro products, Gamakatsu hooks, G. Loomis fishing rods, Shimano products, Ovid reels, and just about anything you hear advertised on Rod and Reel Radio. Go to anglersarsenal.com and visit our online tackle store. See the huge selection of Western Plastics hand-poured baits, all at anglersarsenal.com. Angler's Arsenal tackle store is conveniently located in La Mesa, just off Interstate 8. Give us a call at 1-800-428-8730. Hi, my name is Dennis Green, and I always love to talk about fishing. When I want the real information, I go to Rod and Real Radio. Those guys are who I thought they were. And good day again, Southern California. Welcome to Rod and Real Radio. I, if you missed any of tonight's show, just go to rodandrealradio.com. Go up to the toolbar, hit the archive page. And you'll find not only this show, but past shows on there. And we appreciate you all listening tonight. Wendy Toshahar is with me tonight. Stan is out on a cultural tour, and I'm your host, Hop Along John. And we've got with us special guest Jerry McGinnis. Jerry, again, happy birthday, everyone, from Ron Real Radio. And I'm getting emails from uh, individuals wishing you a happy birthday. I hope you're having a grand celebration. Well, I really am. I'm uh, I'm at my home up in North Arkansas, and <clears throat> just me and my dog up here. And the it's kind of special because 15 years ago today, I went and picked Archie with my little miniature dachshund. I went and picked him up uh, from the place where I had purchased him. And so it's uh, not only is it my birthday, it's old Archie's birthday too. So we're having a big time. No. Man, that that sounds great. Now, is that uh, is that one or or two dogs? Because didn't you have uh, uh, two no, dogs? Yeah, that's the second one. See, the first one's name was Norman, and I uh, had him uh, for sixteen years, I guess. And of course, he was a um, superstar on my show. <laughs> and then uh, after that, Archie was on, uh, uh, and and so I've had two two little miniature dachshunds that has taken up my. 31, 32 of my years so far. You know, Jerry, I'm, I'm getting uh, uh, people slamming me to, 
to talk to you a little bit about Bassmaster, and I want to get into that. But I also want to get into your book. Uh, do you have any type of a background in writing? And then tell us a little bit about uh, why you got in or, or how you got into the book here that you have that has just been released, Bass Fishing, Brown Dogs, and Curveballs. Okay, that's uh, that. Uh, all those questions are tough for me to answer. I am not a book author. I don't, I don't know, know how, how to, to do, do that. that. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I started because I wanted something for my kids and the people close around me to have. Um, uh, because I had thought that I had an un- a very unusual life, and I wanted everybody to know about it and know a lot of the history, not only bass fishing, but all kinds of fishing and, and television shows and one thing and another. And I guess that was the real motivation. And so two two years ago, I guess, uh, I started writing it. And I write, uh, people just can't hardly believe this. I don't type, I don't get on a computer, I don't do a whole lot of that. I just wrote this whole thing, and they they tell me there's over a hundred thousand words in it. I just write it with a pencil out on a piece of ledger paper, you know, a, a little tablet, and and I just take off. And when I started, I've honestly, I, I didn't have a plan. I just started from when where where it all started for me back in the in the about 1940, I guess. Uh, and just started writing, and, and it kind of all falls in place. There's a, uh, <clears throat> along the way throughout the story, I just kind of, uh, throughout the book, I just kind of stop and maybe tell a story about something that Bill Dance and I did, or Tom Mann, or someone like that, maybe only be a page long or two pages long. And uh, most of the time, it's it's funnier than heck. And <laughs> I've, um, again, I've just, I just I I I I don't know I don't know how I wrote it. I swear I don't know how I wrote it. But I'm, if if I do say so myself, I I I thought it was a really good book, and I'm getting just rave reviews from people, and they all tell me. Things like one guy yesterday said it wasn't wasn't like he said it wasn't like reading somebody's book. It was like having a conversation. It was like I was having a conversation with you, and um, and I guess that's the way it is. I'm I'm not um, you know I'm not experienced at this, but uh, but I think it's a good story. It it sounds like it's great, and you know uh, I think all bass fishermen are also super interested in the history of the sport you know where we came from and not only that these products that we're using today uh how they came about you know it just didn't happen by accident you you know we talked about you know tom mann and bill norman and uh, and all these fellas they 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 were just everyday kind of guys a lot of them were really super cut-ups and characters in their own right Yet they got it together and and they uh, started off some of these major lure companies that we see today. Hey, that's I'm I'm glad you say that. They abs- all, most all the ones I know anyway were absolutely just regular old guys and it's like myself. Uh, Tom Mann's 
uh, I, I was really close to Tom. He, the the Man Lure Company was in his basement. That's how he started. Yeah. Bill Norman, the same way over in Fort Smith. Forrest, Forrest Wood, good night. He, he, we built the first Ranger boat in the back of a filling station, for gosh sake. And, <laughs> and you know, it, I, I could just go on. But, uh, although he wasn't from Arkansas, just above Bull Shoals Lake, and incidentally, Bull Shoals Lake, must have had a hundred guides on it that were incredible bass fishermen, and and just above that was Table Rock, and and that's where Johnny Morris guided, and so you know we were and he was he wasn't he was a guide he was a fishing guide, and so I don't know I can't explain how all this has happened I can't explain all I can do is tell you that it has happened. And and it's it's been kind of a wonderful run, been a wonderful run for me. And I and I do have to tell you that in the book, I guess the thing that I most zero in on are about ten things that happened to me from the time I was fifteen to now that led me to where right where I'm at today. Um, there's nothing I did was an accident. Everything, I swear, everything was just laid out. Every time I was had my back to the wall and I needed some help, up popped a furniture stand. Up, up popped a furniture salesman <laughs> who wanted to go with me and fish with me and help me out. His name was Bill Dance, and <laughs> you know I, I already told you that Forrest Wood just fell out of the sky for me and uh and and it's been that way for me ever since i'm very blessed and and i and i also and and i point this out in the book that they haven't there's been some tough times too man i mean some super tough times and um i told about them too so well you know um, also, also you've had a chance to to meet some of the the big names in the sports industry that weren't necessarily fishermen, you know, one of the one of our San Diego boys here, Ted Williams, and boy, you go to our uh, uh, sports hall of fame here in San Diego, and it is loaded with Ted Williams memorabilia. In fact, I I've been lucky enough to hold the bat that he used the last uh, 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 game of the season where he. Uh, uh, withheld his 400, uh, I think it was a 402 batting average, and just really right. something. And then Bobby Knight, you, you know, Bobby Knight was also a, a, a fishing friend of yours. And I think you've got uh, a story about Bobby Knight and how competitive he was because you were fishing with somebody else. <laughs> I've got more one story about, and we, we'd have to do a whole series on that. <laughs> Actually, Coach and I was fishing last week up in the Boundary Waters in Minnesota. I fished with him a lot, and we're—I'm very—you know—I'm just—we we have a—we have a great relationship and have a lot of fun. And he's nothing like what you think he is. He—he's a wonderful guy to be out with. And but—but uh, but the the way I met him was taking another basketball coach fishing. And then that, and then that show appeared on the air. And Coach Knight called me on Monday morning and said, "What?" Um, he said he basically said, "Hey, this is Bobby Knight, and I'm a better fisherman than that. That guy doesn't fish. 
You don't know how to fish. You've never, and I've been watching your show forever. You've never invited me on it. And <laughs> that's, that's how we were introduced. I swear it was. And, uh, and, and then so, so we used to, uh, have this little thing going between us about who could pick some better trips for, for the television show. And he'd say, okay, you know, I got this, uh, guy up in, uh, Montana that's, uh, got this really great trout stream. Let's go, let's try that. So, and then I'd have one that I, that he and I went on and <clears throat> then we'd argue about who had the best trip. Well, he called me up one day and he said, uh, okay, I got a good idea for the next trip. Um, I, I, I got this guy that wants to go fishing with you. And if I, if I can arrange that, then that's going to be my entry this year on the, on the trip. <clears throat> and I said, you know, that, that sounded kind of strange to me, you know. I said, well, who is this guy? He said, well, it's Ted Williams. I said, get out of here. <laughs> it was Ted Williams. And, uh, and so he ended up going, we, we went to Russia on that trip. We went over there, too. so I spent two weeks with Ted Williams and Bobby Knight, and it is, you know, it, it, it ranks in the top two or three most incredible trips that I was ever on, for far obvious reasons. So, uh, Co- Coach Knight was enthralled with Ted Williams about like I was, and and what a wonderful man he was. He he was just great. He was he was so much fun on that trip and and Anna, and as you can imagine, one heck of a fisherman. Um so that's my Ted Williams story and, and I'm really proud of the of the, uh, being able to do that. All right. Uh you know, uh also you're probably one of the uh, uh the few people I've interviewed that have ever been on the David Letterman show. And I know David would always look for, you know, just sort of like people that were out there that were completely different, that did things that were different than what he did. And you actually took David Letterman out fishing. And I've got to ask you, was the person that you saw before the cameras started rolling, was the same person we saw when the cameras were rolling? Yeah, absolutely. You betcha. Hey, and the... The first time I was invited to be on his show, I'll try to make this as short as I can. Uh, he, the, the, the bit was that, that they were going to have me fish the East River, and, and the big bit was the East River is so bad that even a really good fisherman can't catch anything. Right. So that was going to be the – and so, uh, so I haven't met Letterman yet or nothing. I just go out and I fish on the East River, and I caught the fire out of him. And uh, <laughs> caught a bunch of big stripers, and we had, we had to turn them loose. <coughs> Pardon me, uh, but I, I caught a, a ton of big bluefish and brought like three or four of them back in a big ice chest. So, so I kind of messed up their their uh, uh, the the script. Their bit, and yeah. Said, so they changed it. They said, okay. Now, now we're going to put this uh, ice chest on up on his uh, uh, desk, and then you accidentally spill and fish in his lap. And I said, "Holy cow! Um, <laughs> there, there's no way I would do so. I never met this man. I'm excited about this whole thing. That would be we we actually argued about that. I I didn't 
I told them I would not do that. So they just kind of let it go, and they were they were upset with me. <laughs> but I, that would have been a disaster. Bluefish <laughs> are the nastiest old things. Oh, <laughs> they would have just been terrible. Well, you saw the interview that we did. Uh, we just had a great time. Uh, and not, he invited yeah, not only that, well, you did take the bluefish and you well, plopped it. Rather unceremoniously, yeah, at least desk. on his desk, <laughs> and the look on his face, I, I guess no one had clued him in on what, what the bit was. <laughs> well, Wendy, you ben, have a question wait. for Jerry. No, I don't have a question for Jerry. I just want to say thank you very much. I, you know, I'm an avid angler. I'm out here in Southern California, and I've been fishing ever since I was little, but I'm really into fishing. I'm, you know, I fight for our fishing rights. And everything that, you know, all the stories that you've told us, they're great stories and everything has to do with fishing, for your love of fishing, for your passion for fishing. And that's why things turned out the way it did. And so thank you very much for, you know, all that you've done for our sport and, and everyone else. Well, I've, I've, I really appreciate that. And, 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 and folks, like I said a little earlier, I, I'm afraid I'm talking too much. You, I, I'm not getting to hear enough from you guys. But uh, I, I really do appreciate the, what you've just said there. And, and I, I, I don't feel, I really, I don't feel like I'm anybody special. I just got in the right places and things were... <clears throat> were presented and paths were taken and I was able to help and and I'm I'm really proud to do that but I, but I always have to say that man there was a bunch of people around me helping as well so just hey we are like, speaking with uh, Jerry McGinnis and Jerry I, I you know I know it's getting late in your part of the world but uh, can you stay with us for one more segment oh sure I'm, all right I'm, uh, hey our special I'm guest tonight, there. Jerry McGinnis. I know we've talked to him about some of the, the past, had a lot of fun, but I know I have a lot of questions here, people asking about Bassmaster and a few other things. So stay tuned. More Jerry McGinnis on Rod and Reel Radio. This is Hop Along John on AM540. We'll be right back after these messages. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. My angler edge to earth. Like the mighty flounder, I will keep one eye on the pole and the other watching for rogue waves. I'll save water by taking shorter showers and enthusiastically celebrate talk like a pirate day. I. I will chat up the locals before launching in unfamiliar waters. And I will always, always wear my life jacket. What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California. Hey, and welcome back to Ron Real Radio. We want to thank Sea Adventure 2 and 1-800-BASS-BOAT for giving up some of the time on the commercial so we can spend more time with Jerry McGinnis. Jerry, again, happy birthday, and thank you very much for being with us tonight. 
Well, my pleasure. I'm I'm really enjoying this. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to make my answers shorter this next go around where you can ask me more questions. <laughs> well, I I guess the question I I have to ask you, you know, television personality, uh, uh, things are going well for you on ESPN. What the heck were you thinking when all of a sudden this organization called Bassmaster came along and decided I wanted a part of that? <laughs> You know what? I actually looked at some people once during that week or two we were in the middle of that uh, negotiation, and I said, what was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it was kind of an unusual thing. Uh, uh, ESPN came to me and my partner, Don Logan, and and asked us to buy it. And, and if you guys will agree to do that, we will certainly help make all the arrangements and, and, you know, make it possible for you to do this. Uh, quite honestly, ESPN was too big for Bass. They couldn't take care of it like it. You know, it's a, it's a, uh, it needs a lot of uh, tender, loving care, and they weren't able to give that. And, and so they realized that, but they wanted the, they wanted the, uh, the organization and the sport and all that continues to grow. And and they wanted to be they wanted to air the the content they wanted to be a part of it but they just couldn't handle it anymore so so that's how Don Logan and I became the owners of Bass. Well, I got to take you you have you have taken it to great heights and it, it seems like Bass has expanded. I know there are other circuits out there, but when you talk about the the names in bass fishing today, you know, just like NASCAR racers, they're they're all fishing BASS, whether it be in the opens or even the elite series. And uh, and I need to thank you, and I want to give special thanks too to to Helen White because we had the opportunity to go to Lake Havasu when the elite swing made a a swing out here to the west. Uh-huh. You did. Um, the California Delta, then you went to Lake Havasu, and you people allowed me just unprecedented uh, access to the pros, being able to talk to them, uh, ask them questions, and in turn, the pros were very, very gracious in giving up their time and, and answering questions that I, I just got way more information than I needed. Yeah. The, the question they're, they're that everyone's just... asking, uh, after making this trip out, to the west and after Lake Havasu, is there a chance that maybe we might be seeing some open tournaments? <laughs> I knew, I knew that was. Uh, how did, did I know that was coming? <laughs> <laughs> I only get that about a uh, <laughs> twenty times a week. Um, not at the moment. I'm, I'll be right honest, really honest with you. Not at this this moment because you know our. <clears throat> Our opens, even our regular opens, are you know we've got them pretty much planned for sure. uh, another year out, and um, uh, and and you know the logistics and the finances and and just everything is not right to make to make it a uh, to make it to the West Coast. Now, if you want to ask me, is it still on in our plans? Do, do we think about it a lot? Do we have? Yes, it, it never goes away. Uh, we someday we will have a 
good series out on the West Coast with our Opens, and and that's one reason we came out there. I guess that's one of the biggest reasons we brought the elites out there was to let everybody know that 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 has not gone off of our our mind, and and that someday someday it's going to be a little different because you folks deserve it. Uh, it there's there's no doubt about it. The the elite series, the Bassmaster Elite Series, is the is the number one circuit uh, on the earth, I imagine. And it's truly the big leagues, and, and the anglers are the big league anglers. And and, uh, and many of them come from right there where you're at. And so it's not fair that we do it where we do. But <clears throat> so far, and of course, we've only been there four years now, going in our fifth year now. So <clears throat> we haven't hardly been there any at all, but uh, it's definitely our plans to start taking care of the w- the West Coast anglers. Well, you know, it, it, since I I really had the opportunity to talk to many many of the pros uh, at Lake Havasu, the pros were just totally impressed on on the fishery that was uh, there at the California Delta. They maybe would have liked to have been a little closer to that fishery when they started in the morning, but they couldn't, uh, the fishing over there. And then I got to tell you, a lot of them that didn't make the cut of the top 50 after the first two days, before they went to Havasu, they went over and they fished Clear Lake because they yeah. knew Clear Lake was one heck of a fishery. And they spent yep. a day, yep. you know, a day or two there and then went down to Lake Havasu. And they were overly impressed with just how fantastic that fishery at Lake Havasu was and the diversity of the life and how good good the fishing was. And I think I didn't find someone that anyone that didn't want to come back. All they said is, is keep the price of your gasoline down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of a toughie out there. But, uh, yeah, no, and we're going we're gonna to be back. You know, they even <clears throat> they even talk about our, our uh, I shouldn't say they, we, we even talk about having a classic out there and what a wonderful thing that could be. And I'll bet you that's going to happen someday. Well, you know, the first classic was out here, so there isn't any reason why we can't at least have. That's right. You know, that's uh, right. One of them. You know, Jerry, the, the other thing, and I, you know, boy, I don't know if this is a sore subject or, or whatever it is, including fem- some of the female pros into the. Uh, uh, the BASS program. I know they're fishing the opens. Uh, uh, you know, it's maybe harder for them to be, uh, you know, as competitive as some of the guys because a lot of them, you know, are also, they've got a second job working in their home too. It's hard to get sponsors and everything else like that. But uh, are we going to be seeing maybe more fishermen, uh, lady fishermen in the future, fishing in not only the elites, but maybe in Bassmaster Classics in the future? Well. Well, I have to tell you, the the one thing that I'm kind of proud about our elites is these aren't guys that just can't come in and and for an entry fee, you're an entry, you're an elite angler, and you have to qualify to be an elite. And the only way to qualify is to do well in the opens, and so. It's sitting right there for anybody to do, and and there's you know I, I have to ask you, would it be fair 
for us to just let somebody come in, and yet these other guys have to go through this whole open system and qualify and just almost make it and then not make it and and have to work on it again the next year. That's how that's how our elite guys have got. That, that's how the elite system is worked. And I don't well, I don't see that change in any. Now I know And that I think Rick, that's man, great. Yeah. But, I, um, I think that's great I, because we, we know, would love to have uh, some girls in the, in the elite system. Would love to. You know, the year before last, we had a girl that was qualifying out of the Centrals, I remember. <clears throat> I, I guess it was two years ago. And oh, gone. all she had to do was have a halfway decent last event and she was in and she really bombed and and you know got so close and didn't make it and 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 you know look at this um look at this little kid from uh australia i shouldn't say a little little kid Uh, he's probably 30 years old and he he went through i think five years of fishing opens and got close he comes on he gets these all of these documents in place and gets it all fixed where he can come over here for six months or whatever, you know, and he, and he does nothing but fight the opens that started to make the elites. And, and, but he finally made it, and he's in our elite system right now. So we're not, we're not discriminating against anybody, but, it's, you know, we just kind of – try to have to stick by our rules. It, I, but I have to say, again, I can hardly wait till we get a couple of gals in there. It's a it's a qualification thing, obviously. And not only that, then to get to the Bassmaster Classic, there's, you have to run this gambit again of qualifications to get to the Classic because you only allow 50, 52 spots. That, that's right. And, and qualifying for that is really tough and and you have to know that these guys, that's, all, that's what these guys live for, is making the classic. You know, they really work hard to get in the elites, and then from that point on, it's making the classic. You know, do you have uh, any type of a vision, Jerry, of where BAS is going in, in the next few years and, and some of the things that it's, it's going to be doing? Well, you know, we, when when we first started, our our events, uh, the the uh, the on-site event, the weigh-ins and the expo and everything, on a four-day period <clears throat> was drawing from five to ten thousand people, and I just wanted that. I wanted to beat that so bad, and and now we draw. Um, now sometimes we have a twenty or twenty five thousand, but it's mostly it's it's always at least that much, and we have as many as forty forty five thousand people uh, come to our, to our event. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, that's been a great improvement for us. Uh, and the more of that we get, well, we need a few more events. We probably need two to three more events for these guys to you know really have a lot of fishing out there. And and the one thing that we are doing on this on our end on the production side, um, that is a tremendous hit 
and it's going to get bigger and better in the future, and that is us uh, broadcasting our, our anglers live. Oh yeah. Um, we and, and it's on the internet, but now we started out where we were covering six or eight anglers the last two days. Now we're covering a few more than that, and we're covering them for three days. And and you can go to your computer and sit there and watch Kevin Van Dam fish all day long if you want. And there are a lot of people doing it. Quite honestly. There are more people watching it than there are watching on television. And, yeah, and that's and, incredible, too, with that live feed that you have. I know we feed it in here to the shop. And uh-huh. the great staff that you have with Dave Mercer and, and Mark Zona and all those other people make it entertaining, informative, and uh, just really uh, you know state-of-the-art on, on how to get it done. And that and that's just bigger and, and better and and I think that's that's something that's really pushing us right now, and it's gonna it's gonna be a great builder of our sport. I think. Well, Jerry, uh, your new book gets out: uh, bass fishing, uh, brown dogs, and curveballs. I know we just scratched the surface on it, and the, the stories that are in it. If people want to get a hold of this book, how's the best way to do it? Well, go to your <clears throat> computer. And go to and I'm 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 a great one to be guiding people through the computer for goodness sake. I can just barely turn mine on. But I do know if you go there and just uh uh, uh go to to Jerry'sbook dot com, man, that's pretty easy to remember. And then it'll pull you right up on the page that will tell you all about the book. It will tell you uh uh, how to order it? Uh, it'll, it, 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 it. There's actually two or three sample chapters in there, and all the information you need will be right there. All right, Jerry McGinnis, author, bass fisherman, and all-round good guy. I can't tell you how much I appreciate taking time off on your birthday, no less, and a Sunday <laughs> night to be with us. Just God bless you, and thank you very much for being with us this evening, Jerry. Okay, thank you very much. I, I appreciate you guys. You're, you're the ones that are they're doing all the work. I really do appreciate it, and I would love to come on again sometime. All right. Thanks again, Jerry, and, and I hope to be seeing you in the not-too-distant future. appreciate you being with us. Okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Wendy, thanks a lot, man. I want to get your recipe for red crab. <laughs> all righty, I'll send it to you. We might have to do that next week. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for tonight. On behalf of Stan and Wendy, I can't tell you how much we appreciate you listening uh, tonight and listening to us chit-chat and also our guest. I think we put on a really special show for you this evening. Always, I want to thank JR and the AM540 Studios. He uh, put together uh, all these guests that we had tonight and made everything work. Also... Ben Harvey, our local producer here in San Diego, helps put everything together. But always, in memory of Big Tuna Bill for handing us this legacy that we have called Rod and Reel Radio, we want to thank them all. Thank you for listening. Everyone stay safe. We look forward to seeing you on the water. Go out and get them. They're getting away. Come back with your fish stories, and we'll talk all about it next Sunday night, starting at 5.05 p.m., 
here on Ron Real Radio on AM 540 or at ronrealradio.com. So until then, good night, everyone. We're out. Oh.